Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Yo. Hey, what's up, man? What's going on? Not much. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing. We're doing. Down under the weather, or are you just frustrated with something? No, no, no. I think I just had a little bit of a girl. I'm actually okay. I'm, at least I'm trying to be. Uh, as much as possible. Yeah, it was rough last night, that, that Cavs game. We'll, we'll get into it. I got a lot yeah. of thoughts about. It. I, I mean, I, I like the. I really want to get into the Browns. That's why I sent you that article too. I don't know if you got it before the show. Um, no, I didn't. I'll look at it. Um, it's nothing big. It's just five scenarios that the uh, the clean plane dealer is saying the Browns aren't that far away. They just need to address five things, which is ridiculous to me. But um, 
<laughs> How can you not be that far away and need to address that? I, I, I don't know. But <laughs> it's like contradictory to itself. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of done a 180 uh, based on the hiring of Greg Williams and stuff like that. So oh, I, I just want I want to get into that a little bit. <laughs> no, I'm just saying on my philosophy <laughs> with where they're going. Oh, my um, new hero, just the way he handled Grossy, if nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but let's start with the uh, the regular show um, with the uh, Hall of Fame the, uh, um, and the uh, cast. So <clears throat> there we go. This is with an Ohio bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. Show one seventeen satisfaction. I am D Cleveland, born and raised, Buckeye, born and bred. Jake from Youngstown to Seabus. We're talking all the sports you love. And show 117, Jake, uh, are you satisfied? Um, basically, it's talking about the satisfaction, satisfaction, the fact, the... T- satisfaction? Uh, yeah, <laughs> if, I can, if I can talk. Uh, we're going to deal with the satisfaction with some of these franchises and where we are with some other things in sports. Um, we're going to talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame voting. I'm going to slide a quick Indians note in the beginning of that but uh, maybe giving some more hope to one of the most hopeful situations in Cleveland sports. Um, And then, of course, talk about the Cavs. And (laughs) are you satisfied with just one championship and watching them lose games that they could obviously put together a better effort in? Um, But we start with the Baseball Hall of Fame. And, Jake, let's talk about the Indians real quick. Something that I heard this week, I don't know, maybe I was caught up in the World Series hangover and everything going on, but – there's a guy on the roster with the Indians who was suspended because of steroids or PEDs, excuse me. We'll get to the steroids when we talk Hall of Fame. But Abraham Abraham Almonte is still on our roster. What do you think he can build with his Indians? We're not going to go into a full Indian section, but it just, I don't know. I for, totally forgot about this guy. No, I mean, and if you look at what Terry did with him last year uh, when he came back from the suspension, and you got, you got to wonder exactly, you're right, exactly what he's going to mean to this team. Because I feel like with last year, we knew he wasn't going to play in the playoffs. So he was, Terry was able to give guys nights off uh, with a very uh, capable uh, replacement with Almonte. So, you know, I don't know if it was a, a product of, you know, gearing up for the playoffs and knowing this guy wasn't going to be able to help us to play him so much or if uh, we really think that this guy's a player. Now, we know he has speed. Um, whether he's a very good base runner, that's another debate. Uh, but he could definitely field, and uh, he, you know, uh, his stick is serviceable. We'll put it that way. So, yeah, I think he could be a contributor, especially uh, as a bench player for this team. Yeah, I, I just – I totally forgot about the guy, honestly. I guess because you were so upset that he wasn't there to help you with the uh, playoff run. Um, you you wonder how – you talk about how the Indians have so much options now and they have uh, variables, what they can do, you know, the, the adjustments that Tito can make with the lineup and things like that. This is just another factor to that, that you know, dynamic that will – I think can only enhance the Indians' chances, which uh, Buster only picked them to, you know, return to the World Series uh, and face the Cubs again. Well, and the other thing, too, I think it maybe made uh, letting Rajay Davis go a little bit softer. You know, you kind of have that guy now that could fill some of that role that uh, is going to be left behind. And the fact that he's in Oakland, you never know. Maybe Rajay will be available again at the trade deadline. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And like the cloud of PEDs hung over Abraham Almonte, it <laughs> right. hangs over Once the Baseball popped. Hall of Fame. <laughs> Once he gets popped, he'll be calling Rajay's agent. <laughs> and, well, hey, I'll be all good with that. But, yeah, it does make it easier to deal with the loss of Rajay Davis thinking about Almonte. Um, but as we look at this Baseball Hall of Fame, the inductees, Tim Raines, Punch Rodriguez, and Jeff Bagwell go in. Uh, Kenny Lofton snubbed again. Uh, are you satisfied where the Baseball Hall of Fame is right now? No, absolutely not. Uh, and first, I mean, just to jump on, since we're talking about the Indians, Kenny Lofton, you know, I think it's really, really a shame that uh, not only was he left off, he was uh, had so few votes that he's now not going to be on the ballot anymore. So, you know, Tim Raines got in on his 10th ballot here uh, with a lot of the very similar stats that Kenny Lofton has. And, uh, you know, after I think it's only been three years he's been on the ballot, for him to not get enough votes to stay on the ballot I think is kind of disgraceful by the baseball writers. But uh, that may not be their biggest uh, thing that they're most disgraced for. You know, I mean, you look at this class, and uh, the first thing that pops out to me is two of these guys have been rumored on with steroids. Pudge Rodriguez and Bagwell. We're now at the point we are playing the guessing game with who was on steroids and who wasn't on steroids. So, I mean, at this point, we're going to have to start figuring out what we're going to do with this entire generation of baseball, uh, whether we're going to start putting them in and how we're going to start judging these guys, whether or not they did or didn't do anything. Yeah, well, I, I'm with it. I, I'm here with it. I almost was going to come on the podcast with a hot take of I just don't care about the Baseball Hall of Fame anymore. But it's not that I don't care anymore. It's just the Indians are, and thank you to the Indians, the Cleveland Indians, they're just so good that I'm not going to focus on getting our uh, – upset over the same arguments that we've been having over the last five years we know i think it was three years ago they didn't even the baseball writers didn't vote anybody in until major league baseball does something to um i'm not saying they need to force the hand and decide who needs to be in because we know that's the whole point of having the writers do it but something has to change in the way that we are selecting the heroes for the baseball hall of fame i mean you almost are to the point now where you're like, oh, wow, it was a great moment to see Punch Rodriguez excited. But we know what Conseco has said, and Conseco was the guy who never lied about the steroids. I mean, you, you might not like him, but, you know, the guy told it like it was. So it, it, to me, it's just thank God the Indians were in the World Series, and thank God they're looking like they're going back again. Yeah, and then you look at, again, like a guy like Lofton, and to me, he's one of those guys that I'm playing the guessing game. I, I don't think he was ever on steroids. So, you know, we're, we're, we're now picking and choosing guys that who were and weren't on steroids. And, you know, I, I think we're going to get to the point now where uh, eventually these writers are going to come to their senses and just put everybody in. And, that, and that's what we need to do. Um, and I think you see some of the signs on the wall when you get to Clemens and Bonds. I mean, just a, I think a year ago they were at 37%. Now they're both up over around 50%. You know, to get that high of a change in one year uh, is a sign that a lot of people are coming around, and I think the more people come around, it's going to snowball a little bit. And I think you're going to see some. Uh, you're going to see a great deal of these guys uh, that had clouds around them eventually get in here. It's just it's so stupid and petty, and um, you know these guys have always had that. Uh, that to them, these baseball writers, that uh, they have the, uh, so, some sort of Napoleon complex, it seems. 
Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting with the uh, Indians that are coming up next year. Um, Jim Tomey, everybody loves, has a statue. Uh, it should be a first a, ballot. should be first ballot. Right. Yeah, you know what I mean? statue and not be in the Hall of Fame. He's a first ballot guy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but I think it really does suck for Kenny Lofton, a guy that basically did everything the right way, um, has been a little torse. I, I, I always hate, too, like, you know, the the – how they handled the media comes into play yes. with with Tim their Martin. you know opportunity right. to get voted in. Yeah, and I think Kenny, that's part some of it. You're hitting right on the head. He was never the easiest guy to get along with if you were a member of the media, and we saw what it did to a guy like Jim Rice and a guy like Eddie Murray. You know, a guy who had three thousand hits and five hundred home runs. Um, you know, so yeah, I, it's just I don't know. It's like the best word for it is petty. They're very petty. Oh, it's a, it's, it, that is the word of 2017, petty. So, um, yeah, uh, shout out to all the baseball writers out there who uh, Omar make, us, get in, make, a, make us go crazy over the Hall of Fame each year. Yeah, you're right about that. Omar needs to get in, by the way. And that scares me, too, because of how long it took like a, uh, a guy like Mazeroski, who didn't have the greatest numbers, but we all know was a great player. Yeah, it, it's it's so funny to me that, you know, the biggest part of the Hall of Fame is always the controversy. And I'm not just yeah. talking steroids. It's just literally right. the controversy well, of who gets in. You're absolutely right. That's a great point. Uh, you know, it, it's just that it, every year it, it seems like it comes down to that, especially even before the steroid era. You said, you know, as we noted there with uh, how people treat the media or players treat the media at times can be a factor as well. All right. Well, as always, Roll Tribe, uh, congratulations to all the Hall of Fame uh, inductees going in this year. Thank, hey, like I said, thank goodness they're just putting a couple guys in. I mean, we know they've skipped some years, so uh, these baseball writers actually, you know, made a decision. Um, we'll be back after this break with more of with an Ohio Bias podcast for real fans with D and Jake. All right, Jake. The Cleveland Cavaliers, are you satisfied with one championship? I think that's the question all the Cavs fans out there are asking themselves and are asking about this basketball team right now. We know they lost by 30-plus to the Warriors. Um, they bounced back against the Suns and the Kings. Did they play the Kings? Who did they play Friday night? Um, who, who cares? Let's get to it. But they lose. They, 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 they bounce back a little bit, you know, with a couple wins, and then they lose to the Spurs in uh, overtime, which was just, uh, I mean, I, I put it on Twitter. It was the worst last, the worst 10 seconds of basketball I've ever watched in my life um, with the way that one came down to the end. Uh, I'm going to get real critical of some people here um, and one guy that I definitely love and have been a champion for, but it's time to get real. Um, but your thoughts just on the week that wasn't, am I crazy? I mean, the, the show title is Satisfaction, if I could say the word, Satisfaction. Um, and it's based on the fact where whether I can't figure out if we're satisfied as fans just by the overwhelming 2016 and if the Cavs are going through that malaise as well. Well, yeah, I think you saw some of that early in the season with uh, how they came out of the gate. Um, and maybe you're seeing a little bit of it now here in the, in the dog days of the winter of the NBA season. We all know it's a way too long season anyway, and the travel gets to you. And I think we're seeing it here is this stretch in the last nine. They're actually four and five in the last nine games played. Uh, you know, that's a road trip, though, a big, long road trip. We're stuck in the middle of it. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I think last year, if you would have asked me that question, am I satisfied with one championship? And, uh, you had me when we were down three, <laughs> one against Golden State. I think, yeah, I'd say I'd be very satisfied and I'd be done with it. Uh, but that's not where we're at anymore. And we're in the middle of a second season with a window of opportunity for a team for the next, uh, couple few years, hopefully. And then, uh, also as you look with the Indians and what they're building, and their uh, window is going to be three or four years. Yeah, one championship's not good enough. Uh, between the two teams, I would hope to get at least two. Um, and with this team, I definitely think that one is uh, def- is uh, doable here, uh, especially with having the greatest player in the game at the moment in LeBron James. It's like Lay's potato chips. It's like a good slice of apple pie. I want another one, okay? Call me the great yeah. fat kid at the table. Um I don't understand like the the Warriors game we kind of we went we talked about it uh, on a couple of podcasts that you know maybe they shouldn't have played at all looks like they took our advice but their body showed up you know so it was <laughs> I think the league maybe made them do it I, I was I'm I was wondering that to myself because they had said it was contemplated I wonder if the league called them and said hey you can't do that or this is national TV here well, here's the thing. The Warriors are playing well. They clearly are playing well. They they took out the who's who of, you know, uh, MVP candidates after they dismantled the Cavs on MLK Day. And, uh, you know, so they took out OKC and they took out the Rockets, uh, both, you know, in their home arenas, uh, respectively. So, I mean, kudos to them. They're, they're, but once again, you know, this is not a Warriors podcast, but the question would be, are those guys peaking too early? So, you know, we know the Cavs are at rock bottom right now. I mean, they, they got the injuries. But the Spurs game is a good snapshot just because the Spurs are in a similar situation, but they had a guy, a rookie guy, step up and play well for them last night, and Deontay Murray, who was sitting at the finals last year because he's a Rich Paul client next to Ben Simmons. So, you know, like they made that point on the telecast. I just find it interesting that I know the Cavs are motivated to get there, but um, I don't think they're enjoying the journey this much as they did last year. To me, I feel like they enjoyed the journey too much early on, and that's we're kind of where we are. Um, but I, like I said, I, I think this team is good enough and has enough experience now, and I, I think once you're over the hump, uh, it allows you to have a certain level of comfortability to know that you can uh, get there again, especially when you're considering coming through the East and what it looks like now. Um, as it stands. So I, I think here, once they get off this long road trip, get home, uh, the schedule loosens up a lot um, against the Eastern Conference. They can get healthy. Uh, the addition of Corver really, really helped. I still think they need to make a move for a backup point guard, um, maybe another uh, guy who could defend down on the blocks. But uh, for the most part, this team is ready to take on the Golden State Warriors, and that's when they really need to uh, get down to business. Yeah, the biggest thing with that backup point guard thing, that that bench scoring has taken a huge hit um, Mm -hmm. because those guys, you know, Shumpert, Fry, all those guys, they're not just playing um, in a bigger role, but they're getting more minutes. Even Richard Jefferson, and and he's usually a pretty good defender, but Kawhi Leonard, I mean, Kawhi Leonard's Kawhi Leonard, but was abusing him. We saw the same thing with KD. I think because the toll of the minutes are starting to take a toll on him. Um, with everything. And so you're seeing that, you know, cause problems with the Cavs and transition defense, which has been woeful. And then, you know, the one thing that the Cavs have hung their hats on, you know, regardless if they had a big or not, with LeBron, Tristan, and Love, they've been, you know, 
huge in rebounding, and now they're, they're that's starting to drop off. You saw that last night in the Spurs game, of course, against you know, um, of course, against the uh, Warriors. But even in the, the games that they played on that West Coast trip, and you you got a good idea because they played the Suns, they beat them out in Phoenix, but they had a lead on them and gave it up. Same thing happened when they got back here to Q this week. Um, and it's because the rebounding, the transition defense, and that bench is not, you know, at the same level. We know that bench last year hung their hats on defense. And you're just not seeing that. You're not going to get that, you know, you get you get sparks of it. We saw a little bit of the start to Spurs game. But they can't sustain that level of play or that level of intensity right now because they just don't have the rotation. And I'm going to say this. Last night, the one thing that I'm going to be critical of is this Ty Lue guy. Now, you know, at the same point last year, David Black got fired for this. And it was because he didn't play Kevin Love in the later minutes in the fourth quarters and things like that. So I don't understand how all of a sudden the philosophy has come a whole 360 degrees, which Ty Lue had did the same thing. And now Kevin Love coming off of a back injury uh, where he rested for a couple games and left the Warriors game, now plays all the way through the end of regulation and through a whole overtime. We see no Channing Fry, nobody else. It doesn't make any sense to me. And then we saw Kevin Love leaving jumpers just basically out there for the taking where the Cavs could have won a game. Yeah, man, he uh, he missed so many wide open jump shots yesterday. Uh, if he could have hit two more, they they win this game. And if they hit, it hits one more in regulation, they win obviously. But uh, it, yeah, I think he probably I saw him miss five in between the fourth quarter and overtime. So uh, you wonder how much the back injury and fatigue might have played a factor into that. And that you know, and that brings me to my point is the usage of some of these guys has to start making you a little bit nervous. Um, I think LeBron's number three in the league as far as uh, minutes per game. Uh, Kevin Love, like you mentioned, is uh, now all of a sudden loading, getting heavy, heavy minutes, and there's a guy with a his track record of, uh, of some injuries, and we're dealing with now back spasms and stuff like that. Um, and that leads to the, your question of the bench and what's going on with that. And, you know, it's the first season, I think, where this team really hasn't had that energy guy off the bench. It had always been Anderson Varejao who would come in and uh, and provide that spark off the bench, that hustle. And then uh, when he left, it was on Delhi. And now you're seeing there's really not that guy on the bench that gives you that energy. When you're bringing in Channing Fry, it's kind of uh, you're looking for smooth jumpers and uh, there's there's not that uh, that dog out there that uh, guy who wants to get his nose dirty. So I think those are two of the things that need to be addressed: is uh, is playing these guys so many minutes, and then also uh, finding that spark guy off the bench, and hopefully it could be in a point guard form. Yeah, GM David Griffin said they're not you know afraid of you know the luxury tax and all that stuff. He was on ESPN Cleveland on Friday. He said, you know, they're going to they're gonna spend, they're going to spend. They just want to make sure it's somebody that is uh, worthwhile, that is a playmaker, and if they need to add a big. I think they're going to have to add somebody. He wanted it to be Jordan McRae. Um, Kay Felder's just not ready. Um, I like what I've seen from DeAndre Liggins, but as he makes a play, he makes a mistake. But, you know, he's a young player, so you have to live with that. I just, you know, with this Cavs team right now, Kevin Love's got to step up. You know, I was very disappointed with the Warriors things. You know, I mean, it's an injury, it's an injury, but you shouldn't have played in the game. You know, you if you if your back got tweaked the day before, you shouldn't have played then. And then, you know, 
sometimes guys got to help themselves. If you're not knocking down jumpers, you got to get off the court, man. That's just a flat out the way I felt about that game last night. So um, when we look forward to the Cavs, I know you had brought up some names last week. Um, I'm excited to see if Mario Chalmers can get back and maybe become an addition to this team. Nate Robinson is out there. You had mentioned him. Uh, this guy, it, it's a reason he's the most hated guy in the league and people don't like him. The guy is a, a selfish player. Now, he, he's definitely a dynam- dynamic scorer, but he's a liability a little bit on defense. And also, too, he doesn't really – he's not the true, true playmaker. Um, he fit well with that Bulls team because they had guys coming off the bench that, you know, uh, if you set them up, they could play well. But that's not, you know, the kind of thing that you'll see with the Cavs. He would have to be a drive-and-kick guy, which he loves to drive and finish. So I think that's the real thing with him. The one name that did intrigue me was D.J. Augustine, uh, but I think now he's going to be stuck down there in Orlando because they actually are starting to turn the page a little bit as a team. Um, and it just makes Rondo a little bit more, you almost, you know, you find you find yourself, you know, getting mesmerized by the talent and willing to take the risk uh, with that situation. Uh, when it comes to bigs out there, there's not a lot um, – the former uh, Purdue product, Payne, is out there who's coming back from uh, – not Payne. Who am I thinking of? I mean, his brother. brother played at Wisconsin. Sam Decker? No, no, no. Twin brothers. One played at Wisconsin, one played at Purdue. Big Ten guy. Oh. Played for years. His last team was with the Kings. He's a big man. But the one guy that intrigues me out there is Joseph Nurkic from the Nuggets as a possibility. David Griffin has been a wizard before, but I just can't see giving up Amon Shumpert. I've seen everybody's making these crazy trade deals with the ESPN trade machine. I can't see giving up Shumpert or anybody that's been key to the Cavs' success so far. If it's Jordan McRae or things like that and picks, who cares? But, you know, and nobody's trading Kevin Love, even though I think the guy does need to step his game up. Yeah, I mean uh... – as far as point guards go, the guy who – something else crossed my mind this week, and we poo-pooed Rondo last week when we were talking. Um, but And I think a lot of that had to do with the money in my mind. And uh, I thought, what if the Bulls end up just cutting this guy loose? I mean, and I think that's a very real possibility here um, if they can't get a buyer for him. And at that point, then you're talking veterans minimum. And, you know, as far as his attitude goes, that doesn't bother me nearly as much. I always feel like a guy that comes in under strong leadership like LeBron and what we have with Kyrie already, um, he'll fall in line as far as that's concerned, especially to win another title and have that opportunity. So, uh, yeah, I think Rondo becomes more and more viable uh, the closer we get to this trade deadline is is someone in, and he is a guy that's got that pit bull attitude. So uh, maybe that does answer uh, two problems with one stone. As far as the bigs go, um, yeah, I, I think you're looking at a, a pretty minor move. I, I think the one thing that hurt us was when Chris Anderson went down. You know, he was kind of brought in to replace that Anderson uh, or Ke- even what Kendrick Perkins did, where at least you had an enforcer at the end of the bench. If things got a little bit crazy and someone took a cheap shot, you could bring him in and uh, take care of an issue. And that's another thing that we're lacking right now. So, I don't know, maybe you can find that guy out there, hopefully, without, like you said, having to ship him on Shumpert or somebody that's been a key piece. Uh, to this lineup. 
Yeah, the, the Cavs got a lot coming. I mean, you you talked about their schedule. They're going to see the Hornets, Kings, and Nets. No real great challenge. They're up on uh, prime time. Well, not prime time. They're up on, you know, the big network again against OKC next Sunday. Uh, that doesn't even bother me. Um, no. The big thing to me is I think we're going to get a real good look at this team after the All-Star break. So they'll be rested. Some of the team will be rested. Um, you know, Kyrie, LeBron which we'll get to the all-star uh, voting and stuff like that here in a second. Um, they play the Knicks, the Bulls, the Bucks, and the Celtics. So they're going to have to get, you know, right and make sure that they exert their dominance over this Eastern Conference. Let's talk the all-star voting. Um, congratulations to LeBron James, Kyrie Irving as all-stars for the East, but – Jake, I mean, let's be honest, that was a foregone conclusion. Celtics fans are unhappy that Isaiah Thomas didn't get it over Kyrie Irving. I don't know. This guy has literally upped his game, has upped his game to at a point where he was averaging 10 assists, which, you know, there's been a lot out there about Kyrie and everything. But when it, And somebody asked me last night, you know, who takes the last shot for the Cavs because LeBron took that jumper. You know, it, it's so funny. People, act, they, they, they watch the Cavs from, like, I think SportsCenter Highlights and they don't watch them the way that we've been watching them over the years. So like, it, 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 it's like you're arguing with the air. <laughs> yeah, right. Kyrie's taken that last shot plenty of times, too. So let's not pretend there. I mean, Isaiah Thompson's had a great year. There's no doubt. He's an all-star. But uh, to say that he should be a, a starter over Kyrie, uh, I think Kyrie has earned it at this point uh, and has put up the numbers to uh, prove it. Yeah, and then I think the biggest story, I mean, Kevin Love didn't get voted in because of this wacky voting. Um, but, you know, he, he'll he be selected as an all-star. But now you think with that back injury, it's almost like last year. I think I was literally about to say the same thing. I'm having a deja vu moment. But you almost want him to take that weekend and rest and get healthy. So um, Kevin Love has been playing well, too. That's the thing that, you know, really has me upset. It's like, you know, when you needed him in that big moment, well, it's, it's not even that game was that big. It's just you wanted to see the Cavs uh, – just play better. I mean, let's just be honest. But um, let's get to the West Western Conference. I mean, the biggest snub of all is this guy, Russell right. Westbrook, not being on that Western Conference starter. Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis um, get the nod in there. And uh, James Harden, of course. And Russell Westbrook, who was doing nothing but almost averaging a triple-double. I had 21 triple-doubles in the NBA this season. Not an all-star starter. Um it's got to be the biggest slap in the face I've seen in a long time. Well, it just goes to prove my point, and I've made this point many times, and it's come with the baseball all-star game. It's come with uh, the NHL at times, but it doesn't really matter in there. There's only two games that really seem to matter in the popular culture of sports, and that's the NBA and Major League Baseball. And just to have the fans voting, and we saw it in the NHL last year with John Scott. You know, the fans can just put in whoever they – and it turned out to be a great story – but, you know, we had this situation with Zaja Petrolia this year where, you're get, where you have a campaign to, get, to put someone goofy in and the fans are in charge of it and, it, and you end up with that in, as your all-star starter. Um, so, uh, to me, just stop letting the fans vote on this stuff. Go ahead. We want to see, the, fans, the real fans want to see the best players. Uh, so let the players, let the coaches, let the GMs, let the writers, I don't give a crap who, uh, just let somebody else besides the fans vote for this thing. I think they should just put together, uh, and I mean, we know how we feel about the college football playoff committee, but a committee of former coaches, 
you know, guys that have watched the game yeah, and that can appreciate else? it. Probably not headed by George Carl right now, but some other former coaches out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would probably be the wrong one. Um, but some other former coaches out there and put yeah. together a nice little crew. Former coaches and maybe referees, you know. Hey, yeah, give the refs, you know. I mean, those guys, are, they, they've taken a lot of gruff over the years. They can take some more, you know. So. Right. And in the end, it's an all-star game, and it doesn't really matter. But, uh, you know, it's just it's something to talk about and should be uh, – you want to see the right guys recognized. I mean, the crime not allowed, the guy averaging a triple-double. We haven't seen that in quite a bit, I don't think. All right, so we'll be excited for All-Star Weekend. Uh, the Cavs will be represented. Um, we've got a lot more coming on that. Um, I, You know, it, just to get back to answer the question, I really don't think the Cavs are satisfied when you get to the hearts of hearts. It's just one of those things. It's a, Like you said, it's a long season, and you never want to be defined by the moment that you're in. You always want to be trying to improve yourself. And I think, I hope that's the Cavs' philosophy. It seems to have been that way, the way everything manifested itself last year. Um, you know, you just, you know, it, it, it just hurts. That, 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 that loss to the Spurs was one that really, it was another kick in the nuts. But, you know, people always say you'd rather lose a close game than get blown out by 30. Well, we had the full... Uh, run of the gambit this week between the Warriors and the Spurs. Yeah, and you you look back at it, and you you'll know that the Golden State had it coming. You know they were going to come in and give you everything they had, and winning five in a row it probably wasn't a great spot. And we had talked about that. And the Spurs, you know, they made a little bit of a statement, um, but at the same time, they're two regular season middle of. Uh, January games and in the long run you're only going to see one of those two teams and you got another shot at the Spurs uh, later back in San Antonio so it's it's not the end of the world and I think this team's going to be fine in the long run here yeah and you got to give a shout out to Greg Popovich who uh, LeBron James is quoted as saying the best coach ever Um, but I was very impressed with the way Kawhi Leonard you know played and the way the the way the whole Spurs team does just go about business they they are the Spurs there there's no question ever about their identity down there in San Antonio um but maybe if the i maybe one thing changes for the Cavs and this whole thing flips if they start looking at all these games as rivalry games who knows ladies and gentlemen but always go as always go Cavs uh defend the land and we'll be talking more about the Cavs as we go through on with an Ohio Bias podcast uh we're going to close the show real quick with some Blue Jackets talk, Jake. Uh, I don't know if there's anything. First of all, can the Blue Jackets play the Carolina Hurricanes uh, more games this season? Second of all, I don't know if there was anything cooler than I saw the military appreciation night is the soldier coming down from the rafters a la Sting in Nationwide Green <laughs> to drop the puck. Yeah, uh, that was a pretty cool moment. Uh, military appreciation night went off pretty well. Got a win out of it, a couple points. Uh Team's been playing up and down a little bit here recently. You know, you expect that though off of the 16-game win streak. What you're happy about is that they're not uh, going like two and six or something like that off that streak. So they're still in first place. Uh, actually, probably a point out now. Uh, Washington did win last night, but uh, now this team's right where they want to be. Uh, they'll be going into the All-Star break. Uh, they got a big win last night, and Tortorella sent a little bit of a message by. Um, benching Matty Calvert. Uh, so he always has that little move where he'll uh, find the guy who's kind of key to the team, uh, one of those uh, heart and soul guys that aren't living up to doing what they expect them to do, and he'll he'll send a message to the team. And I think they took heed of it and won a good game. So, um, yeah, this, this Blue Jackets team is, I mean, look where we're at with it. 
Um, if we were saying this a year ago, we're talking Stanley Cups, you know. If they win a playoff series, I, I, I got to believe this season has been pretty successful. And the job that Tortorella and the imprint that he's put on this organization has been uh, exactly what I thought it would be and, and more. Absolutely. So excited about uh, the Blue Jackets season. We've seen some people fall off the bandwagon, so tickets might get cheaper. So maybe the old-time Blue Jackets stalwarts get what they want. Um, but that place uh, was I think the Blue Jackets are going to be fine. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. was rocking. <laughs> So. As always, go CBJ as well. Uh, Jake, let's oh, turn our real, attention. Go ahead. Real quick on the Blue Jackets. Uh, I don't know if you saw this story or not, but uh, John Tortorella was asked uh, during a press conference what he thought if LeBron James could have been a great hockey player. And he pretty much challenged LeBron. He said, absolutely not. There's no way he, would have, he could play hockey that he couldn't, that he didn't, doesn't learn, he doesn't know how to skate. And so I, 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 he wasn't talking about if LeBron had started skating when he was five years old. He's saying he was asked if he could play, come on and play hockey at a high level right now. And uh, it, it kind of stirred some things up, whether or not LeBron, who a lot of people think could be excel at any sport, uh, Tortorella definitely doesn't think so when it comes to hockey. Yeah, well, uh, that's why John Tortorella needs to stick to coaching hockey and not, you know, addressing athletic talents of other players in other leagues. I will tell you this. I heard the interview. It was on 92.3 The Fan. Um, I wasn't even going to bring it up because I wasn't a big fan of the comments, but I'll tell you this. I think LeBron James would just be just fine <laughs> if he wanted to <laughs> play funny. hockey. I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? There are certain guys that are one in the, the one-in-a-lifetime gifted with, you know, uh, natural athletic talent. And we know he has – here's the thing about that. Here, here's the funniest thing, because I saw some people talking about it in the Union Blue Soldier study too, and I didn't want to get – one of my big things for – ever, as we know, is try not to argue on the Internet, even though I do spend some time doing it. You know, <laughs> this guy's passing ability, hand-eye coordination, and the natural given, you know, uh, muscle reflex automatically makes him suited for hockey. So the only thing that will keep him not playing well, hockey, playing well in hockey would be, you know, ice skating so i mean and who knows i mean i almost was going to look it up because i'm pretty sure lebron is taking his kids ice skating at some point you know what i'm saying because that's just one of the things you do as a family um or lord knows he probably can roller skate and lord knows he can probably roller skate um so you know it's just one of those things when uh, i don't even want to get into that 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 I that, think that, that was do it that, that's one of those coded comments that i really don't like sometimes and maybe i read a little too much into it but um yeah, I, 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 it was a. I, here, here's the thing to me too. I always, I always don't like the a guy couldn't play this sport, that sport thing. You know, people say, oh, football players wouldn't be able to do this. You know, nobody can play hockey. Hockey, hockey fans. You know, I'm a hockey fan too, but we got to put hockey up on a pedestal of, you know, it's the great sport that nobody could transition into. And we've seen, you know, guys that, you know, have been able to do well. I think baseball players and basketball players, just because, once again, and the other thing about LeBron, he understands angles. And that's a big part of hockey that I think would come into contact with him being able to transition to that sport if he cho- chose to do. Well, and and I think just sports in general. I mean, they're, they're so specialized these days. Even within the sport, stuff is specialized. Uh, so I, I just think it's silly. I don't think many athletes could transition over to another sport uh, without a lot of training before they get tried. It wouldn't be a situation where you could go somewhere else uh, w- with just athletic ability. 
Well, we're talking about comments. I'm going to bring something up real quick, and it's just because Bo Jackson said he wouldn't, you know, play football if he had to do it all over again, which is a whole separate thing. But I bring it up to bring up Bo Jackson, who was one of the great three sports athletes of our time and uh, probably could have played more sports. Now, could Bo Jackson have played hockey if he wanted to? You know what I mean? Like, you got guys out there who (laughs) – and I I think about pro stars back in the day, you know, the old Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky uh, (laughs) cartoon. You know, I mean, come on, man. I think guys really – if they're that gifted – talent and they put their mind to it they really could play any sport they wanted to and that's the thing i think you give the greatest athletes a year to prepare to try to play a sport on the highest level and i think they mostly could at least not go out there and embarrass themselves doing it uh so but i to to think that a player that plays in the nba like lebron or michael jordan uh can just walk on to a, a field or a, an arena at the highest level uh, without the, the preparation that's just i think silly Oh, he'd be a great passer, if anything else, you know, even if he couldn't skate. I think we all could agree on that. Just staying on sides, that would be the issue. Um, let's turn our attention quickly to Ohio State basketball. Uh, and a uh, real quick note, kudos to the women who are 6-1 and one in Big uh, The women's hoops team, Kevin McGuff, has the Lady Buckeyes 6-1 and one in Big Ten play. Uh, but – Thank goodness the Ohio State men's basketball team has finally won a game in Big Ten play, big win at home over Michigan State, and then they came back on a thrilling layup by Jackson to beat Nebraska, who now uh, maybe that win doesn't look as good as they lost to Rutgers. But nevertheless, have you changed your mind on Thad Mata? Are you satisfied with the Buckeyes you know, showing some pluck in the Big Ten? Yeah, I, I don't know if I was ever all the way out on Mata. You know, it, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot. It does feel like the program has been a little bit stale. Um, but, you know, you look at this team now, and I think losing uh, Kata Bates-Diop really, really is underrated as much as how hard, how much that hurt this team, kind of the every do-everything player uh, for the Buckeyes. And, uh, you know, now you win two in a row, and maybe that win against Nebraska is kind of that watershed win where you win one that you probably shouldn't. Uh, these guys like Mark Loving, they, they all hear the radio and they hear the complaints and Thad hears the complaints. So, uh, yeah, I think they're going to be motivated here the rest of the season. I think they're an okay team. Um, are they a tournament team? And I think they still get there. Um, you know, if you're going to win, you got to probably win 20 game, 21 games, and that would mean going like 10 and 8 in the Big Ten. So you're going to have to still win. What, you got 12 games left? So yeah. you're going to have to go like eight and four, something like that. You're going to beat some pretty good teams uh, in the meantime. So uh, to me, there's still something there and there's still something to play for. And uh, if they can get a us against the world mentality going here, and we'll see today, they have another winnable game and uh, they have a schedule where they can get a few in a row here and see where they're at at the end of the year. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I'm no fan of that Mata. I mean, it's been on the record, uh, the one thing for this Buckeye basketball team, I'm hoping maybe they found something within themselves. I do not think they can rip off, you know, that record or anything close to it to uh, finish well in Big Ten play. But I think they should turn their hopes to becoming a better basketball team and putting it all into the Big Ten tournament because we know that can propel you with that winning the Big Ten tournament get you into the tournament as well. So, I, you know, that would be the big thing. The Big Ten is down this year, so you're only going to see maybe three teams at the most out of the Big Ten in the big dance, um, I think that tournament, winning that tournament could, you know, be the difference. But uh, right now, I don't I don't see any way the Buckeyes make it in. Um, I got to give props to uh, 
I got to give props to Cam Williams, though. I talk a lot about player development, and we're starting to see him emerge. We can clearly see uh, that he worked on his body physically. You know, he looks very cut. You know, he's quicker and twitchier, you know, coming off screens. But now he's starting to show a little bit of a mid-range game, which he was exclusive, uh, you know, a uh, sharpshooter from the outside. You know, that was what his goal was to be. But now seeing that mid-range game develop. So, I mean, I'll give that out of that. You're starting to see it with one guy, but you want to see it, you know, with more guys. You know, um, you talk about Mark Loving here, and you really never saw his game, you know, change at all at his time here at Ohio State. So that's where, you know, a lot of the criticism comes in. Uh, with this team, but, you know, hey, I'm a Buckeye fan, and I was so happy. That Michigan State one, more so than the Nebraska one, to me, was a big one. I know Michigan State's not the Michigan State team that they were, but that Bridges kid tried to take the Buckeyes out, and they withstood a what a guy, which I think is going to be playing at the next level, and Miles Bridges, the Flint product. I think that guy... Uh, they, they literally played against the NBA athlete and was able to uh, get the win. Yeah, and I think Jake Quan Lyle has gotten better uh, over this season as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that is a knock on that, and it's, uh, it, there's some validity there. Um, but, you know, we'll see what, like I said, what happens to the end of it. You're right, to, to get, uh, get another knock on him also is uh, Ohio kids playing uh, at other schools, but uh, I don't want to get too much into that. <laughs> well, we, we'll get into a little bit because we had a great feature up on withambiosbias.com uh, talking about the players you need to watch. Uh, I did. You yeah, know. That's great. Yeah, you know, and the one guy who leads that off is Luke Kennard, the Franklin, <laughs> Ohio product, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, yeah. playing for Duke basketball. Um, you know, there's a lot of kids on there. I just think, you know, it's, it's players that, you know, we enjoy watching. Um, if you missed that game with, you know, Arizona and UCLA, which was a dandy, Lonzo Ball and, and, and Alonzo Trier for Arizona, the Wildcats, um, the Wildcats take the UCLA out, but uh, still it was a great game to watch. You know, there's a lot of players out there in college basketball. And the one big thing that I will say, Jake, is that I think we're going to see the, this college basketball enthusiasm over these players. They're, they're going to really help lift the NBA game here in two to three years, which, which was something that was surely lacking over the last five years. It wasn't that great infusion of talent coming from college basketball. Well, now it's coming. And that's one of the big things – the guys on the that we featured in the uh, quick guide to college hoops definitely are going to be playing at the next level. So get to know them now, and hopefully they're playing for your team soon. Uh, even the Keaton Lee and Cavaliers who have no draft picks left. <laughs> somehow <laughs> there you go. Yeah, somehow <laughs> they were able to trade for a draft pick that they used to move. <laughs> of course, um, want to get so far pretty well for Griff, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, we got the championship, so you know. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> I want to give some props to Cincinnati, who's ranked in the top 25. Uh, Mick Cronin has that team playing well. Um, the Xavier Muskies making some noise in the Big East, and especially with Creighton's loss of a point guard. Um, Sumner and the Musketeers should be able to fight. They got a big game against uh, Georgetown, but now with Creighton going down, they should be able to jump up in the Big East a little bit. Um, and, you know, want to give a shout-out to the Akron Zips. We had another great feature on uh, with com by Michael R., uh, the Akron love story, talking about Keith Danbrot doing it for his hometown university. And those zips with that 27 in a row win streak at home. Uh, Jar Arena has been rocking, and it's great to see the zips taking the Mac by storm. Yeah, uh, Akron only three losses this year. And you can look at those losses. Uh, the Creighton, who is uh, number seven. Uh, Gonzaga, who's number eight. 
and then of course to uh, YSU, uh, my you know <laughs> the hometown team for Jake here. Um, it's kind of weird though that YSU is the third team there. I think they're like nine and fifteen or something, but it's just kind of funny that of their three losses, the Gwens are in there. Uh, a couple other teams in Ohio too doing a little bit of damage. The Bobcats have been really good this year. Uh, it beat a not so good Georgia Tech, but a big conference team. Uh, they're twelve and five. Uh, Xavier, like you mentioned, Xavier's uh, thirteen and five. Uh, down there in the Cincinnati area, that's uh, always a good cross-town rival. And then the Dane Flyers in Archie, 14-4 uh, and four, uh, down there. So a lot of good basketball teams in the state of Ohio, per usual. And shout-out to Toledo, too, Toledo Tough doing their thing. Uh, hoping Archie Miller is the next coach of Ohio State Buckeyes, uh, you know, um, as you mentioned, the Dayton Flyers and the Red Scare down there. Um, sorry, Red Scare. Um, yeah, so excited about that. <laughs> but you're, you're, you're right, uh, all those other teams, I mean, we're looking at teams making viable moves. Ohio State Buckeye basketball has to get better, um, and I think it will improve uh, with or without that Mata. Um, and, you know, hope is always there. But I think, you know, those wins actually make, you know, watching this season a little bit easier. If they would have went, you know, 0-7 in the Big Ten play, uh, <laughs> I mean, man, some people would have been jumping in the old Allen Tangy River, the Olin tangy river down there you know you know maybe uh, uh off the reservoir out in delaware county all right that one fell flat we'll be editing that out <laughs> as always go bucks buckeyes they would have been up to their knees in water <laughs> <laughs> there's no saving that it's just bad um, all right jake uh we closed the show this week um Still satisfied with, you know, where we are. I mean, we got some great things happening with the Blue Jackets, definitely with the Indians. Um, probably, you know, the worst thing we are satisfied with is Kenny Lofton, you know, not being able to stay on the ballot and, of course, not getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't know anybody who's satisfied with the Hall of Fame besides the Reigns family, Bagwell and Rodriguez family right now, and all those other families who have been inducted in already. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, we look for the Cavs to find – more than the satisfaction that they have right now with the championship. And uh, hopefully Buckeye basketball, you know, doesn't rest on the laurels of these two wins. They can actually build off of that momentum. Jake, get the plugs in and let people know what's going on. Yeah, for sure. Um, big announcement uh, we made on Facebook last week, but uh, with an Ohio Bias Live moving to Mondays from Tuesday. So Monday's now 3 to 5, and Thursday, same time, 4 to 6. Uh, make sure you check out the Tuesday show, uh, Aaron Campbell in there for me. And then she joins me on Thursday. So, uh, a lot of the same stuff we're talking here. It's, uh, not only our Ohio teams, but the national teams and what we think from, uh, our perspective here in the Buckeye state. So, uh, that's Monday three to five and Thursday, four to six on score on air.com. Just go there and you can, uh, either watch it live uh, on our YouTube feed or, uh, tune it in via the tune in app. Uh, you can get that for any of your devices, uh, Google Play or the iPhone store. Uh, so check that out. And then also uh, keep an eye out for EB Sports Networks here in the 2017 year. Uh, big moves are being made right now. Uh, of course, we did the show uh, Between the Nuts with Zach Boren and Nick Miller. Uh, look for that to make a return here, uh, here soon in 2017. So uh, EB Sports Networks, go on air.com, check them out. All right, and uh, don't forget, clearly we're not satisfied with the Browns. I don't think anybody is. Um, 
you know, besides Jimmy Haslam counting his money like Scrooge McDuck. But we got a special Browns podcast to discuss all those things in the offseason and what's happening from Jamie Collins to who Jay should draft. Uh, but we thank you oh, for listening boy. to this. Yeah, we, we thank need, you for we need, we need a whole show to do this, huh? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but we thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, we appreciate every tweet, every favorite, every like and share, any and every comment from everyone who listens to this podcast. Uh, please share, like, and follow us on Twitter at With an Ohio Bias. On Facebook, just search With an Ohio Bias. Give us a like, and uh, you can always email us at With an Ohio Bias at gmail dot com. Uh, if you got to send us a pigeon, Mike Tyson style, with a message to say you hate us, it's fine with us too. Your thoughts, agree, disagree. This discussion of our teams uh, is our passion and fuels our fandom. Um, we want to say a salute to the medical professionals, doctors, nurses, and caregivers out there, anyone who eases the pain of those in pain. Thank you to all the teachers, police, and firemen, first responders, uh, and we give our thoughts and prayers to the troops in service and those veterans who have returned. Uh, we also say a special prayer for those who are missing in action and those that we might have lost. This is With an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with Dee and Jake. As always, go Browns, go Cavs, go CBJ. We are the fifth line, Crew SC, oil up with the machine, roll tribe, and as always, go Bucks, Buckeyes follow Buckeyes. O-H. I know. Uh, we do got. We we we're going to talk about the election real quick because we haven't talked about it. I, I do have one thing to say, just real right. briefly. I'm going to put it in there. Go ahead. Um, Jake, one thing we have to talk about. We have to first of all congratulate newly elected President Trump as he was inaugurated as the 45th president of these United States of America. <laughs> to those who claim him and don't claim him, um, we still have to. Uh, we 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 at with an Ohio we bias, give him a him. give him a congratulations. So. Um, I just have one statement on the whole election and in general where we are as a country right now is bottle the emotion. If you're happy, use that happiness to keep making America great again along with your president. If you don't like who your president is, use that emotion to see the change that you want. Um, tension and emotion has fueled this nation from its birth to where we are right now, and I am hopeful that, you know, no matter if I agree or disagree with any decision made by the president, people that are in power, I feel that I am still an American and that change is always possible. And those people can only last so long because we have term limits. So um, you might not enjoy your life for a couple of years, but you have a full life to live. And, you know, don't let the moment define, you know, your true existence on this earth. No, I mean, uh, I'm kind of in the same uh, mind frame as far as you, you know, uh, you, you wish him luck and, and hope that things do go well and changes, uh, change happens at the ballot box and you get people ready and inspired to go to the ballot box by uh, getting your message out there. And I, that's the public or the uh, American ways to protest uh, things in a peaceful manner and, uh, as long as we're doing that, I think that's uh, using your voice. So, um, you know, just want to see America succeed, and uh, however that's got to be, uh, let it be that way. Yeah, I'm encouraged so many people are uh, following things like Senate hearings and things like that, maybe for the first time in their lives. So, you know, hopefully that carries over, you know, to um, – People being more involved and being more informed, so you know that, 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 that can only make our that can only make our government work better. It might be a little might be a little coarse process, but you know it can only work out in the end for a better yeah. result. 
Um, your ne- your next chance to to make your voice hear- heard is in two years, where all of Congress and uh, I think some eighty senators are up. So uh, that's that's the next shot. Make your voice heard if you don't like what's going on. Yeah, and then midterm elections, but you always have your municipal, local elections, and you can always run for office yourself and be the change that you want to see. Um, it was funny, the Cubs were at the White House for their uh, championship celebration, and uh, Obama got a couple of good jokes in there. Outgoing President Obama got a couple of good jokes in there, but it really turned the knife one more time for Indians fans, if you saw that as well. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's, he's a White Sox fan. I don't know about all that him being up there glad-handing with the Cubs. Well, he was happy. His wife is a big um, Michelle Obama, the first outgoing first lady. Real happy All about right. it. Um, you know what right. I mean? But I wasn't happy about it as an Indians fan. I definitely was not satisfied. And that's what this <laughs> podcast is all about. Satisfaction. <laughs> that's right. All right. I can edit that around a little bit. But um, yeah. let's get into these Cleveland Browns. Where am I at? I turn the page here. This is with an Ohio bias about a Browns podcast. This is with an Ohio bias a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> this is with an Ohio bias a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. Show one eighteen. Browns off season moves. I am D Cleveland born and raised, Buckeye born and bred. I'm Jake from Youngstown to see bus. Let's talk some Browns. Well, Jake, we got a lot to cover in this podcast, and we're going to try to get to it, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, we're going to talk about the new defensive coordinator in the press conference. Are you Tony? Um, that happened. <laughs> uh, we are also, of course, talking about the impending extension of Jamie Collins in the free agency. We're going to discuss the philosophy that the Browns might have with these changes and also to look to the draft and try to answer the big question, what should they do with the quarterback position and who else should come in to the Browns team to make it better and hopefully win more than one game next season. Um, Jake, a lot of things happening uh, with the Cleveland Browns this this season. But in this podcast, I just wanted us to discuss, you know, maybe the philosophy of where they're going and, you know, how how the, we know how crucial it is to say it over and over again, you know, what this offseason can mean. But I have no equivocation right now um, with the new hire, Greg Williams, that at least the coaching staff might be going in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you listen to that guy's press conference, and I wanted to run through a wall afterwards. Um, he just seems like a guy that, well, first of all, he has success to back him, which automatically gives you some credibility. And uh, I think that uh, he's just what this team needs is a, a new, fresh voice that uh, really gets what uh, this team in this city is about, and that's just hard-nosed play and uh, a, re- a return to the glory that was uh, one time the dog pound in the Cleveland Browns defense. Yeah, I had two reactions. One was, uh, I think, you know, you can take it as positive and one negative, but um, one, create, uh, one, you know, uh, deepened my resolve and hoping that the Browns can be successful, you know, next year and in the future with this current coaching staff. And the other one, you know, it stirred up a, a possible question, and it really has me struggling with this, you know, since I heard the news that he was going to be possibly hired. Uh, the positive part was, you know, with the whole Bounty Gate thing and the question Tony Grossly tried to get in there that was shut down by Greg Williams. Which also um, goes a long way to becoming a very <laughs> fond person in my own life. 
I think about Greg Williams and the time that he's put in and that suspension actually helping him refocus and not be burnt out. You know, you see that, and especially when guys come to the Browns, we saw it with, you know, if we're talking Brad Childress, Norv Turner, Kyle Shanahan. I mean, this Brown situation is not like the other 32 in the NFL. It's a singular <laughs> uh, soul-sucking operation, to, uh, the soul-sucking task that you're trying to take on to turn around this franchise. So. <laughs> I think that gives us a little bit more considered the success that he's had, you know, that he also, you know, is coming. We're getting a guy that's been recharged and actually, you know, maybe have a chip on his shoulder the way that he left the L.A. Rams. Well, and a guy who's dealt with a similar vile situation, too, when you think about what he's dealt with in the last few years with the L.A. Rams, the former St. Louis Rams, and uh, that ownership group and where they're at as a franchise, so – uh, for it wasn't Greg Williams' issue why the Rams didn't succeed I, uh, in my mind. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm open to anything that's going to work at this point, you know. So we'll hopefully see. He's you know the Browns have a long history of winning the press conference. They say, well, uh, I think this guy has the biggest blowout of anybody in the post in the press conference era. Yeah, they're undefeated in the in the media room out there, Maria. <laughs> right. Undefeated. Um, the other thing that came to mind to me immediately, when even when I heard his name, and I kind of sat on this one like a little bit of an egg, and, it, and it's going to have a uh, – it's kind of going to guide this conversation that we have on this podcast. But So you have Greg Williams there now as D.C. Is there is there now going to be pressure on Hugh Jackson to not only be successful with the offense and if the defense plays better, are we as a fan base going to be, you know, at each other's throats saying, well, look, just turn it over to Greg Williams. And we know he's had the head coaching responsibility. We know he even interviewed for a Browns job before. So is that dynamic going to be one that we see play itself out in the future? Hopefully not. But the other thing is when we look immediately to this year's draft, now to me the philosophy of the Browns becomes so crucial because, once again, Greg Williams' defense – if, if it goes the way, you know, most mock drafts having it right now with Miles Garrett and whatnot, the Browns are going to be heavy defensively on the draft, and then that's going to, you know, make the defense better. But then is the offense still going to suffer, and is it going to put a magnifying glass on that? And then are we going to say Hugh Jackson is failing us? And it, is the, that create more desperation, if even possible, at the quarterback position and all those things? We'll get into some of those other things later, but that's the part that was negative to me, and that's the part that has me a little, you know, uh, troubled as a Browns fan. Well, I, I think it ultimately comes down to talent, you know, and, and that's what we're talking about here, whether you, you spend the draft picks on defense or you bring in free agents uh, on the offensive line, or maybe a quarterback. If the Bills were to cut Tyrod Taylor, I heard there would be Browns' interest in him. So it's not necessarily uh, up to the draft as far as everything. They do have a ton of money to spend, and they're going to have to spend a lot of money to get uh, viable people in here to help fix problems. Uh, but uh, the, it is another option as well. So I, I still think a lot's up in the air, and we can speculate, and that'll be fun. And uh, but I just feel like at least Greg Williams, I, to me, feels like a step in the right direction here uh, recently. Yeah, I definitely agree on that part of it. Um, you talk about spending a lot of that money and bringing in talent. Now we have the extension that's out there, which is big-time money, uh, going to Jamie Collins. Everything looks to this thing could happen, be finalized at any point, um, a contract that might be more than Luke Keekley. Your thoughts? You know, when you saw the news, and, I mean, I think the money's a little crazy, but uh, with Greg Williams here, does that 
I don't know if that played a role in Jamie Collins staying as much as the money as he said it would, but it looks like he's got both, and now he's got a coach that might be able to utilize his talents to the best of his abilities. Yeah, there's no doubt the guy has the talent. Um, that's never been the question. Uh, the question is, does he have the motor and does he have the want to play football? Uh, and that's always a big question you got to ask yourself before you're about to dump a pile of money on someone's lap like that. Um, I feel a little bit more comfortable doing it because of the type of personality that Greg Williams is. Um, and if he's going to be counted on to be a leader on this team, he's going to have to step up the, the effort on every play type of uh, stuff. Um, you know, it, you, to be the money, it doesn't really matter at this point. Um, it's hard to bring people right now into this situation. I mean, the Cleveland Browns are as toxic of an organization around the league as any league, maybe other than the 49ers. So to get a free agent and an agent to come here to that someone that's going to actually help and make a difference, you're going to have to pay them more money. And fortunately right now, I guess the Browns are in that position to have that money. So you better spend it. And, you know, it leads to the next question, which is uh, Terrell Pryor. You know, is, does he deserve number one money? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I've heard before, and it's a great point, to, uh, it, it's easy to be a number one wide receiver when you're down 20 points each week. You know, you're flinging it around. It's uh, not a tight game. What can you do, though, when the pressure's tight, when these are tough games? Are you going to go out there and make the tough catches? Are you going to be healthy to make the tough catches? And that's always been the issue with Terrell. Uh, so do you give him the money? Well, you got to ask yourself, I guess, do you think he's a number one? Or do you think he's a number two? And I think he's for sure a very solid number two. Um, but, I, again, you're going to have to pay money. You know, do you let that guy walk, and then where are you with talent? Are you counting on Josh Gordon next year at all either? So there's a lot of questions to be asked. Um, you know, I, if it were me, I'd really hard, think hard about paying uh, Terrell Pryor top money. Um, but in the end, you may have to do it just to, to not lose an asset and the fact that it's going to be hard to bring in people to replace them other than in the draft. Yeah, the the real thing with that is, and we'll get to the draft here shortly, um, try to go through some of these free agent decisions as you put the prior one, it, it creates a harder dynamic because they tried to address that situation in the draft last year with Corey Coleman, but because of right. his durability issues and ability yeah. issues not to catch the ball, you that's an unanswered question as well. So you, right. do you even if you get rid of Terrell Pryor, you still won't have a number true number one wide receiver now unless you keep Andre Hawkins, who which you know he's on the he's long in the tooth on the end of his career. So the Browns, that's what leads me to the part that I got negative about because I think the Browns have to have such a sense of urgency, not only about the quarterback position, but about getting offensive tools for Hugh Jackson to use. So I look at free agency. So you talk about quarterbacks out there, um, and just quickly on Terrell Pryor, I'm almost to the point right now where you might need to franchise tag him. Even though, I mean, because I don't know who else the Browns will use the franchise tag on. They might as well use yeah, it on him. Yeah. That way he gets the money and you try to, you know, that that's and that's what you have when you have a shrewd front office. You get some things like that happening. So maybe the front office, you know, surprises me. They pull a move like that rather than going with a long-term contract. Because right now what I was seeing was uh, about four years or five years trying to give him, you know, $10 million, you know, uh, $50 million or $40 million. So, you know, uh, that that's you know, a crazy commitment to um, something, like you said, is not a known, a known quantity. Um, and the injuries really bother me. More than anything, I think, is that how often it seems like his hamstring is pulled or uh, something just isn't right with him. 
I actually thought he was pretty durable this year, and he showed some toughness playing. I don't know if he wanted to get the 1,000 yards or whatnot, but I think he was only as good Not as money. people throwing to him this year, <laughs> but with the dislocated with the dislocated finger, that's Tristan Thompson, but his uh, broken finger that he had surgery on uh, in that last game. So, Yeah, and money's a great motivator, though, too, to play through a lot of that stuff. That always worries me. Yeah, and, and that's the precarious situation we're in with the Browns. Um, but, like I said, he's only as good as the guys throwing to him. I mean, the quarterback position, if we address it in free agency, the guy's out there. And I'm just going to throw these names out there. And if you find somebody you like, go ahead and jump all over it. But uh, Kirk Cousins, Tyrod Taylor, Mike Lennon, Colin, Colin Kaepernick, Brock Osweiler, Jay Cutler, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Sam Bradford are all viable guys that are out there that the Browns could go after, whether it be a trade, free agency, whatnot. Um, is there anybody in that group or anybody else that I might not be on that list that, you know, via free agency or trade right now that you think that's the guy that maybe um, that's the guy that the Browns should, you know, try to build around and uh, take this team to the next level? Yeah, viable is a very subjective word. <laughs> um, of those guys that you had mentioned, uh, really only two give me any interest, and that would be Kirk Cousins, which I don't think is obtainable. I think he ends up back with the Redskins, but uh, I had mentioned Tyrod Taylor uh, earlier, and that makes me a little interested, especially if you're thinking about Deshaun Watson at some point uh, in the draft uh, to be able to be brought along with a similar style quarterback. Um, so th- that might be an option for me. Maybe a guy that we did- wasn't on that list, uh, a couple that are always rumored as well, it would be A.J. McCarron due to his uh, familiarity with him down in Cincinnati, and then, uh, of course, uh, Tom Brady's back up, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, and I don't know, what do you think it would take to get Garoppolo? He's the one that I really think intrigues me the most, just the re- way he was brought along behind Brady with Belichick um, and coming from that situation, a guy that could step right in, be a leader uh, on your team. Yeah, I like that part. I, I like that part of it, but I, I... – I don't think A.J. McCarron – let me just say this on A.J. McCarron. Everybody loves A.J. McCarron because he started a couple games for the – he started the playoff game and whatnot. I have not been impressed. I would just flat out say that. I'm not impressed with the guy. I don't think he's a good quarterback. Um, so, like, I'll just, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and A.J. McCarron goes into the – it goes to Canton. I think he's the closest to Canton he'll ever get right now living in Cincinnati. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. So. Let's hope. Um, <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> he has to get a little closer to Canton. But is he better? I mean, we know all these guys are better. No, go ahead. Say that again. I said, let's hope he's as close as he's going to get to Canton. Because that wouldn't end well for the Browns, I don't think. Um. You know, when it when it comes to the other guys out here, we know anything is an upgrade. What we have right now, I'm gonna tell you who's not the answer. First of all, to give you, and when I say viable, I just meant by obtaining. Like the Browns have the assets to obtain those guys. I don't mean viable to take the Browns <laughs> to to to, to uh, the Super Bowl 40, 52. You know what I mean? Like so, um, I don't think RG three and Cody Kessler are the answer. And I think we got to get rid of those guys. I've heard some mention of Josh McCown as possibly quarterback's coach. I actually like that because uh, the Browns are down with Pep Hamilton leaving. So I would like that move a lot. Um, when it comes to those other guys, I actually could swallow swallow my hate for the Sparty quarterback tree and take Kirk Cousins as well. So I like that. Um, I don't, I'm with you. I don't think he's leaving the D.C. area. Um, 
Tyrod Taylor, you talk about injury with Terrell Pryor. That's the only thing that worries me with him. I think he would be a major upgrade and is somebody that you could really bridge and win some games and be, you know, a force in this league. Um, Mike Glennon, I used to be kind of high on. Not, and He just provides all those other things with these other guys. The one guy that I do think is obtainable and I think he could help in the system that we have is Sam Bradford. I actually think Sam Bradford should be the way we should go. I know the Browns tried to chain him when the Banner Lombardi era, and you can probably go back and listen to the podcast. I was totally against it. But the guy actually proved something to me up there in Minnesota, <laughs> that he's good enough to win and good enough not to lose your games. And that's what the Browns need right now. We need some solid, we need like, you know, some solid consistency. Even if we bring in a rookie or we trade for a Garoppolo, it's going to be a rocky two years, and we still don't know if that's the answer. And when we get to the draft, I'm going to talk about, you know, the rest of my philosophy when it comes to this full thing and how the equation could fit for the Browns being successful over time. But right now, I think Sam Bradford or – I mean, hell, I'll tell you this, man. People wouldn't like it, but I would bring Brian Hoyer back at a cheap price and let that guy play for the next couple of years. You know what I mean? I mean, Coming we just need off something. Your... <laughs> Go ahead. I can't believe what's coming out of your mouth, D. Hey, I told you it was a complete 360. I tried to prepare you. You're not even ready for when I get to the draft either. So I'm going to tell you that right now. You know what I mean? Let me get this right. First, Sam Bradford, a guy who you're going to have to give up a first-round draft pick for because that's what I don't Mikey's see, had to pay for. I don't, I, don't, so. I don't think they're going to have to give up a first-rounder for him because even though Minnesota and Spielman up there is probably going to want that, they're going to be forced because he's going to be a backup quarterback making a lot of money. And, you know, Bridgewater has to be the starter up there. You know, Bridgewater was the one who gave them the best chance to win. So there's no question as long as Bridgewater's healthy, he's up there. If they keep saying Bradford, Bradford's going to start crying, you know, apples like he did when he was behind Nick Foles in Philadelphia. So we know that guy does not like to be a backup. Um, that's well, the only Bradford, reason. Bradford's the guy the Browns have been targeting since he came into the league. So that, that seems to be a good fit, maybe. Um, who was the other one that you had mentioned there? Uh, I, I said Tyrod Taylor. Uh, no, Tyrod Taylor we're good with. There was some, I thought there was somebody else that you mentioned that I didn't think was <laughs> that I didn't think was going to come out of your mouth. Uh, I just said I wasn't big on Mike Lennon or like a Kaepernick. It was Sam Bradford is the big one to me. All right. Kirk, I said Kirk Cousins. That's the other one. No, it's Kirk Cousins. I just said. It's good, too. There's somebody else, uh, though, that you had said, and it just it escaped me when you when I went off on Bradford. Sorry. Uh, who's on? I mean, his, the only people I got on the list is Kaepernick, Cutler, Osweiler, Fitzpatrick. Mm. I'm trying no, to No, it's somebody. Maybe it's somebody. Maybe it's somebody you said. Maybe it was. It wasn't McCarron. Who, who did you say? AJ McCarron. Said, you said somebody else. Garoppolo McCarron. Oh, Garoppolo. I said. I just said Garoppolo. It's going to be one of those situations mm-hmm. where I don't know if it's if it's going to create consistency. You know what I mean? Over the years. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's consistency with any. I'm, I'm for right Here's the now. thing. With, here's from the thing now with Garoppolo. If it's just that second-round pick, that 33 pick, I'm fine with second it. Second and four. I'm, Would you do a two and a four? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think if it's yeah. that, yeah, absolutely. Do it. I think I'm fine. I'm crazy. fine with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, there, you, you wouldn't hear me. We're not, I'm not going to get on the podcast and bellyache about that. You know what I mean? Because it does. Right. It, the thing is, you know, all the things we're talking about, no matter if we agree or disagree, it, it, these are solutions to the biggest problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not just holding pat and waiting. Um, Why are so, we you know, the only ones with solutions? This is getting old. 
Yeah. Um, but let, let's go ahead and start, you know, so, the, you, you know, there's a couple other things out there in free agency that I think the Browns need to address. And, I mean, these are going to be the same position they'll be looking at in the draft. But, uh, you know, everything from, you know, offensive linemen to safety, the cornerback to uh, edge rusher, and possibly something that I think that, you know, with, and here's something we didn't talk about. Isaiah Crowell, they're at a stalemate with his extension. Do you extend Crowell, or would you wait to let him become a free agent? He's going to be a restricted free agent this year. You know, it's hard to say what he really is. At times he, he flashes, and you think he's uh, a viable, at least uh, dual back uh, that you can use. And then other times it's uh, it's it's not a situation where, uh, he's doing much, and you wonder if part of that's been the offensive line this year and his youth the years before. Um, but to me, uh, you know, is he part of the solution going forward? It's I don't know if it's a big deal either way. I don't see him turning out to be an all-pro running back, uh, even if he was running behind the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. And that's the thing. When you watch him, you're always concerned sometimes about his vision, and then sometimes, you know, he can he shows the explosiveness on plays where he can break a big run. Then other plays where you see a hole for him, he doesn't either get there or he doesn't run through it with the same vigor when he breaks those big runs. So it's a weird thing, the consistency that he has not, you know, demonstrated in his performance. Um and like you said though, sometimes it's the offensive like play calling that gets away from him. Sometimes it's the fact that he's got three guys that haven't played that position until that point, that game uh, in front of him, you know, so it's real hard to gauge. But at this point I, I would wait. And, uh, you know, if, if it's, if it's a thing of, you know, this guy wants more money or more years or something like that. And I mean, it's, it's sad to say, but considering the off the field issue, the fact that the Browns were able to get past that, I mean, maybe this is the time to part ways on an amicable situation where, you know, he can test the waters in free agency after next year. Yeah, and, you know, the way this league is, I mean, there's very few Ezekiel Elliott's, you know, that that are actually worth that number one draft pick. And it's a lot easier to find serviceable running backs just like Isaiah Crowell um, out there that are younger and that you don't have to pay nearly as much. I mean, just look at a situation, even like Chicago, Jordan Howard, you know, that's uh, another way they went away from Matt Forte and they were able to replace him easily with a fourth round draft pick. Uh, I know they didn't win very much, but uh, he wasn't the problem there. Oh, that's right. You said Brian Hoyer. <laughs> oh, Brian Hoyer. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Hoyer. <laughs> he said, speaking of Chicago Bears, a guy, uh, never mind. I won't get into it. <laughs> no, no, we can get into it because Brian Hoyer, well, I'll edit it back in. Yeah, I did say Brian Hoyer. I'm, I, I was being a little tongue in cheek, honestly, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going for Hoyer, but you know who I would go get? Injury. Yeah, Brian Hoyer does have the injury history, and uh, he does like throwing interceptions. But you know who else on that Chicago Bears team, like, in all seriousness, um, I would, I actually would take a hard look at Matt Barkley. The guy showed something at the end of last year. I know it's another, you know, patch or another Band-Aid on the problem. But, you know, I know RG3 is not the answer, and I know Cody Kessler is not the answer. I, I, we, we've got to find an answer somewhere with that quarterback position. I think Barkley, if it would work out, he's still young enough that it could be a long-term solution for the problem. I think it would be a similar situation to if you are going to bring in a McCarron or a Garoppolo or whoever. Um, you know, you would expect them to be your starter for the next five years anyway. Uh, I think you would still have that with Barkley. I just don't know if he's that guy. 
cut out on Hello? you there. Yeah, he cut oh, no. out for a second. Oh, okay. okay, sorry. I just don't know if he's that guy. Um, well, let's talk about – we talked about adding talent uh, beyond the quarterback position. There's some other positions out there, and I'm going to throw some other free agents out here, some guys that you're going to be out All there. Right. Um, when we talk about a couple guys that, you know, are free agents from the Rams, Tremaine Johnson – the DB, I think he's going to command big money out there, but that's somebody that might want to come join Greg Williams here. Um, you look at Tony Jefferson from the Cardinals. Eric Berry's available uh, from the Chiefs, who's going to be a free agent. Um, A.J. Boye from the Texans, kind of, you know, the three-year product out of UCF. Um, Lorenzo Alexander and Zach Brown, the linebackers up there from the Bills, who had signed one-year deals, um, had great production this year. Um, Melvin Ingram from the Chargers. And then uh, on the offensive side, one guy, we talk about that running back position, Latavius Murray um, is going to be available, even though he's been injured often, often for the Raiders. Just some names out there. Is anything, or is there anybody else out there that you think the Browns should target to try to, you know, not put all their eggs in one basket as they did last year, just going with the draft? Yeah, I mean, I, I think all of those are serviceable guys, and I think you, you definitely are going to have to spend this money to fill some of these positions. Uh, I think you got to ask yourself, is Joe Hayden going to be back, and what are you counting on from Joe Hayden next year? Um, and then also I think the the one spot where you can spend, and maybe not the, the flashiest guys, but where we definitely need some help is to strengthen that offensive line. So. I would look to spend my money there. Um, I would look to spend my money with maybe someone that's a veteran wide receiver presence that can tutor the young guys like Coleman and, um, and uh, Terrell Pryor that maybe has a little bit more upside and God forbid, if we ever get Josh Gordon back, could mentor him a strong personality. Uh, if you could do that. And, you know, it's, it's not who the guys are. It's, is it the right fit for the team going forward? And are, can they be part of the solution and the, what the end goal is? And for the Browns, for me, it's make the freaking playoffs just once. Yeah, I know Riley Reef is going to be one of the big offensive linemen free agents, the Iowa product by way of the Detroit Lions. Um, I know they're going to try to re-sign him, of course, with all the success they had this year, but uh, protecting Matthew Stafford. But, yeah, the Browns will have to pay up big, and they can do it. Um, and that's the one thing I right. want to see them do. I want to see them be aggressive and use that money uh, to build a better team because I I just worry about Hugh Jackson, you know, staying at the three, helm here. That's a lot of three-year deals. You know, yeah. a lot of three-year deals that are that you're overpaying them for. I think that's the way to go with this. That's a, uh, that's a great that's a great point. That's a great point. Uh, all right, let's look at this draft philosophy. Let's go ahead and drop the last bomb, a bomb here. You know what I mean? Um, where the Browns need to go with these picks? Um, we said uh, we both agree um, that we'd be fine if they trade that second, fourth. I, hell, they could trade every pick, you know, after the fourth round, as far as I'm concerned, for Garoppolo or anybody else. Um, but you look at the draft philosophy. Has it changed? Are you still, you know, with the Miles Garrett thing? Or where are you at with this number one pick and these first two picks in the first round? If we had yeah. the draft today. if we And this is just today. We're not going to hold you to it. Oh, and i got to give you credit. This is why I wanted to start this part with. Hold on. I'm going to back it up and set you up. Um, you know, I was wrong on Joey Bosa and all the Buckeyes last year, but one thing you were right about in the late rounds, and it's a lot of guys that, you know, the Browns missed on in the late rounds. Um, Sterling Shepard is one. You consider the Corey Coleman. You look at the production this year. But the one biggest one that I have to give you credit for, and it's on the record on the podcast, was Dak Prescott. You liked him from way <laughs> right at the end of the season when we were talking the championship games and everything. Um, so who's your quarterback this year? 
in the draft, or if you haven't found him yet, if we had to draft right now, who would you be looking at? You know, I mean, when it came to Dak Prescott, I just liked his his size and his body for the NFL, and uh, played in the SEC. A guy who's been tested before, so that, I mean, it was just. I mean, I could have been just as wrong. I mean, let's be honest. All this guessing on drafts and who were going to be in mock drafts. They don't turn out very well when you actually look them up uh, at the end of it. So uh, it's not like Joe Lenardi in predicting the field of 64 exactly. Um, but, you know, if I had to pick a quarterback right now, I mean, I'm on the record. I, I think, to me, uh, Deshaun Watson is the best quarterback in this draft. Uh, we saw it in a big spot against the best defense that God ever created in college football, Alabama Crimson Tide, and they ended up winning that game and throwing for 400 yards against them. Yeah, he maybe throws some picks, but, you know, part of that is the learning curve as well. Uh, when you look at his overall numbers, though, they're quite impressive in all these big games. So uh, I, I still like Deshaun Watson. I think he's a game changer. I don't know if he comes in immediately and can do that, but um, I, I think his size is okay. I like the fact that he goes through progressions. He's not quick to run, but he can if he has to. Uh, so to me, I, I still want to try to find Deshaun Watson. That doesn't mean taking him all, all the time, maybe number one overall. Um, but at the same time, you, maybe you move around and find the right slot to get him when there's actual value on him. Uh, any any reaction to him not going to the Senior Bowl? Uh, as we know, the Browns will be coaching the South team in the Senior Bowl, which we'll get to some of the guys on that South team here in a second. But uh, any reaction to him not taking that opportunity to be uh, just there at the Senior Bowl and not even playing? Yeah, you know what, I, I think that it makes sense to me with the fact that, you know, you want to leave the best impression you can, and you're not going to leave much of a better impression than what you did uh, in the national title game. Uh, so I think you just get yourself ready for the combine. you got to go through some of that, whatever parts you're going to uh, participate in. You get ready for those, and you be as impressive as possible there. Um, by going to the Senior Bowl, I mean, yeah, it gives you the opportunity to maybe – uh, let a coaching staff know you personally, but then again, it's the Cleveland Browns. You know, I don't know if you're Deshaun Watson if you want to end up there. So maybe it was the best move just to stay back and uh, let everybody observe you at the combine. You're a little bit more elusive that way for the Browns. Yeah, like a, if you would ask like me, the girl to... on the run from you. If you would have asked me the Tuesday after the uh, national championship, I would have been like, take Deshaun Watson. Uh, let's get this thing rolling in the right direction. But I've come off a little bit of a prisoner at the moment. And um, I really do think he has the intangibles and the leadership that you want in a quarterback position. Yeah. Um, there's no question. I worry about his durability. Um, it's something that he you know, overcame kind of that moniker this year. Um, I'm not worried about the interceptions. I've seen guys, Jameis Winston, stone a lot of interceptions. I mean, right. you know, quarterbacks are going to throw interceptions in the league. You know, it's about the coaches and the talent around them, if you can make them better and who's protecting them, uh, to get that away from that, to make it a little bit easier. Um, so, you know, I'm not worried about the interceptions. That doesn't worry me. It is the durability issue um, to me. So, And it's the, the fact that I don't know if he wants to come into this kind of situation. You know, that was one of the big things that sold people on Cody Kessler, which he accepted it. The senior bowl thing. I really don't read into that much part of it, but I would have issued some kind of statement that it's no slight on any of the coaches there. You know, I just want to take no. some time to enjoy my off season before I go into a heavy training regimen for the, you know what I mean? So it was, yeah. maybe that's the PR thing with me, you know, just, but yeah. that's the way I would have handled that just a little bit better. Um, but you know, the guys earned his right to do whatever he wants to. Um, when it comes to, I think I'm kind of heavy on Deshaun Kaiser now. Um, 
But, Ooh. you know, just because I, I, I'm going to tell you something, This and I, I've been kind of breaking it down. This is just my, my eye test. His throwing motion is like, I think he's got the best throwing motion of all these guys. Now, he doesn't have the best decision-making of those guys. I'll say that. But when we talk about ceiling, with him being 6'4", 240, and then that, you know, size, if you can get – if Hugh Jackson can get him to make better decisions, you know, like then you got something there. But that's a big if I know. But that's the kind of thing – I mean, with this quarterback class, that's what you got in the draft right now. And uh, with Trubisky, you know, I think his throwing motion is not what you want it to be. Um, he's got the size and everything else, and his decision-making is a little bit better as long as he's not in the bowl game. You know what I mean? But um, I think I think those guys you, – you, you, my thing is ceiling. I think Deshaun Watson is almost to his ceiling right now. I think Trubisky, and then I think Kaiser has the biggest one of all of it. So you kind of you kind of look at that um, to me when I look at these quarterbacks right now. But I if if everything goes the way that it is right now, Deshaun Watson is dropping. Then I would if I'm the Browns after I make that first and twelve pick, I would do whatever it takes to get back up and get Deshaun Watson uh, before that first round ends. So I would be fine with that as well. The Browns have to that I don't want to hear anything about trading down for anybody. They need to be trading up to get exact targets of who they want to be on this football team. And that's where I think that philosophy needs to be at right now. Yeah, I can agree with some of that. Uh my with me and uh the two other quarterbacks you had mentioned there. First Kaiser, yeah, you know, to me the eye test says Colin Kaepernick two point uh, a guy that doesn't make good decisions, uh it has one speed that he throws it at and that's the fastball. Uh, doesn't have much touch. Um, it just doesn't make reads. He doesn't go through progressions. Uh, to me, I just feel like he's Colin Kaepernick uh, come, uh, reborn uh, in college. And then uh, as far as Strabinsky, you know, I, I don't know if I know enough about him, but what I do know is that I didn't know much, anything about him last year. Uh, so I don't know how much we really, really do know about Mitch Trubinsky, and that uh, makes me a little concerned. One guy that is, we didn't mention that I do think uh, deserves a, at least a note would be Wade, da- Wade Davis, um, the Cal quarterback, who actually Hugh Jackson Davis Webb. The opportunity. Or sorry, Davis Webb, uh, the Cal quarterback uh, from Cal, Davis Webb, who Hugh Jackson will get an opportunity to coach in the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, put up great numbers. I know it's Pac-12 numbers, but, um, you know, he's a guy I think uh, has the size and the make, and uh, Cal quarterback is playing in the NFC Championship game this this week. So, um, and why not? Yeah, no, I, I think Davis Webb is definitely – and that, that guy is going to be there, you know, in the – He'll be, you know, the fourth quarterback, fifth quarterback taken. Right. Uh, Pat Mahomes might even sneak up behind him, uh, you know, uh, sneak ahead of him, you know, just because of, you know, the dynamic that he had. But he is a big guy and whatnot. Another one, I, right? Is yeah, Pat another Mahomes one. on the senior bowl Browns team? Another one um, with Trubisky. Trubisky might be the Carson Wentz of this uh, quarterback class because I kind of felt like we didn't hear a lot about him until we got around to the draft, uh, or at least the, this kind of part of the off season leading up until the draft. Um, when it comes to Kaiser, if it's Kaepernick, we saw what Harbaugh can do with a uh, raw talent like that, and with Kaepernick, he got the, the you know those guys got to the NFC, got to the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? One play away. So mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, if, if you tell me that's the track record, hey. Let's start this Kaiser train and get this guy to. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, but um, 
You know, so that that's what we're hoping. Now, I don't know how much Hugh Jackson could get that done, and I don't know if we want to put that big of a job on him, considering everything else he has to do with the Cleveland Browns. That's one thing I will say. So I kind of agree with that part of it, if it's that going to be that hard of a thing. But I will tell you this. My whole philosophy with who the Browns should take if they were drafting right now has changed, and it's going to be just because I can't see another guy leave the state of Ohio with the talent that he has to be a game-changing player and not be in a Browns uniform. And I'm going to tell you right Pat now. No, no, no. Even though I do like Pat Elfline. Uh, and another guy that's going to be able to be – let's go through some of these names that's going to be coached because I, I thought it was exciting. Uh, the Browns are going to get a good look at your guy, the center from West Virginia down there at the um, Senior Bowl as well. So the Browns are going to get a good chance to evaluate some uh, high-level talent at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I look at this this draft and I'm like, just start filling holes. I mean, really, put your plan together of who we're going to sign in free agency and then get the chart right. And, you know, there's plenty to pick from. And you take the best at one of the positions you need to do. So I think if you you got the number one pick, you find the best player in the draft and go with it. It doesn't matter uh, what it is. Um, after that, you just, again, you're just going to take the best player at the position you need something. So, um, you know, I think it starts with uh, either offensive or defensive line and uh, pass rushers and secondary help and stuff like that. So, um, you know, some of the names that I've kind of watched and really like that I see out there that could help would be the um, – and, and I saw this also, this NFL spin zone mock draft in a seven-round draft. And I'd be okay with the way they go here. They go with Miles Garrett. Uh, and then Solomon Thomas, the defensive lineman from Stanford, who had the big bowl game. I like that a lot. Then they, then they have Deshaun Watson trading back up for him. Um, then they have Buda Baker, the safety from Washington, who was everywhere in uh, the national championship game and the Pac-12 championship game, and the whole season for that matter. Then they have Adoree Jackson, a cornerback. Now they did just take four defensive players in a quarterback, but, but then they have Adoree. Real quick on Adoree Jackson, that would answer our needs in the special teams return game. But go ahead. Yep. I think we talked about that before on here. Yeah. And then they have Pat Elfline, 106. And I don't know if he's still there, but, you know, if you take Adoree Jackson we're in with 65 and you got to trade back up to get your guy, you know, if those are the picks, I'm jumping up and down with joy for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I would I would love that draft. The only thing is I'm not high on Miles Garrett. Now, I've been high on Miles Garrett since he was a freshman. But right now, I don't think – let me just say this. I don't think he's a good fit for the Cleveland Browns. And the reason that I say that, I think he's going to be in a situation we, – we saw with, even with J.A.V. and Clowney, who I think has more talent and is bigger. Uh, that's one of my knocks on Garrett is that I know he's undersized, so he's going to have to, you know, do more to strengthen himself up uh, between now and next season and make it through on last season. I don't think he's going to make the impact immediately that the Cleveland Browns need um, even with Greg Williams coaching and whatever he brings, it's just that he's going to take two to three years. We saw Jadavian Clowney finally manifest himself, you know, in a divisional round playoff game and in this stretch of the season with T uh, with TJ Watt with JJ Watt gone. So I just you know Brown's sense of urgency demands more than just he's the best talent, but I don't think he's going to be the best fit for immediate impact at that number one spot. But how close are we really as an organization to needing immediate impact? You know, I, I want guys that are – I, I think we're – I think we're the guy, I, I, three that grow with the team. You know what I mean? 
Does that mean for this, not but, everywhere? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At I, certain positions. I, I would just say this. For this coaching staff to stay there, I think that's that important. That's all I'll say. I think it's that important. I hope that's not the case. I, I hope that they are, were real about their commitment when they said that this is a four- or five-year process and that the plan is to get this team together and peaking in year three, four, five. Yeah, and that, that we can get to on another podcast. But that, that just I was just trying that's, – that's where my philosophy but has no, changed yeah, on right. Miles Garrett being the number yeah, one pick. Yeah, that that, right. that just right. comes like, – you understand where, like, where I'm coming yeah, from? Sure. That's just why I, I feel that way about him. Um, now, a guy that I think can make an immediate impact, and this is where my draft philosophy has changed, who I would take at 1-12, and 12, is I would take Malik Hooker from The Ohio State University. All right. I'm down. Um, just because we know he will intercept the ball. The Browns already have shown the ability with Joe Hayden, Jamar Taylor. If you put Malik Hooker back there, another guy, if they're getting, you know, Jamie Collins tipping the ball, maybe Jamie Meter, this is a guy that not only can catch it but take the ball back. You know what I mean? So that makes an – so that – and we're talking about if the defense can score touchdowns, and we know Greg Williams loves that attacking all over defense like that, um, even his quote was, oh, the Browns going to run a 4-3 or a 3-4. We're going to play a Cleveland defense. You know, I think that's, that's I why I that. talk about immediate impact. Like, I, I want to see the Browns be able because those defensive touchdowns can make, you know, the difference in winning a game because Lord knows the offense is struggling. <laughs> no, and it's not unprecedented either. I mean, you look at uh, Ed Reed comes to mind right off the bat. Even more recently, uh, Cam Chancellor and Earl, Earl Thomas. Um, when I mean, they were both top uh, – well, I know Thomas was and Reed was the top ten picks. Um, so I'd be fine with that. And the other guy that I would take at 12, I think had the best uh, last two years, maybe behind Deshaun Watson, and is literally an impact player. And he just so happens to play the same running uh, play position that you talked about, Ezekiel Elliott, and that's Dalvin Cook. I think Dalvin Cook – and that's why, you know, I kind of brought the question up by Isaiah Crowell – Dalvin Cook solves all those issues out of the backfield. Now, I know you kind of got, like, a Dalvin Cook in between Coel and Duke Johnson, but they're not as dynamic and not a home run hitter. This is the thing. So if you had Hooker and Cook in that first round with 1-12, you then get a player that can take it the distance on offense and take it the distance on defense. And I think that has an immediate impact on how the Browns can be successful next season. That's just that's just a way, like, it just came to me kind of a bolt of lightning if you really want to, you know, change the dynamic of what this team can do immediately without it being the quarterback or something else. What do you think about Fournette in that same vein? If it, I, really, I, like, say you, that was the guy you could get. I've never seen Dalvin Cook shut down in college. I saw Fournette shut down every time he played Alabama. And that's the thing that scares me about him. He he does have a tendency to get bottled up and then, you know, retreat in big games. Dalvin Cook has played hurt, has performed, you know, in the rain. I've seen, like, I just, you know, the more and more, and it wasn't like I was just, I, I've been thinking about this for a long time. It just, you know, and the way he played against that last game and what he did to the team up north just solidified it for me. If there was a performance in a bowl game that you were going to point to in this year, and his in games in general, it would have been him. And the games that they lost, even the one they lost badly to Louisville, he still put up some good yards. It was just the fact of the matter is they couldn't throw the ball. So, you know, they became one-dimensional. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I just to me, and you see what Ezekiel Elliott meant to, for the Cowboys attack. I think the biggest, whoever the Browns quarterback to help him next year, the biggest thing you can do is give him a running back that, you know, NFL teams have to game plan for. And I know we need to serve the offensive line. We need to edge rusher and things like this. But the guys you just mentioned down in that spin zone draft, Solomon Thomas, you think about Taco Charlton. You think about uh, uh, Malik McDowell. There's a lot of edge rushers in this draft, and we got the picks to, you know, like fill the void with those positions. That's a great it, point. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I mm-hmm. it, it just it's so like you, you it's like you. This is why I was so excited to do this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, because I I've been sitting on this. I I put it out there on Twitter too, because somebody said something about Malik Hooker. You see that. Um, uh, I think it's Matt Miller from NFL.com. Uh, a lot of the different pundits now are saying Malik Hooker and uh, Marshawn Lattimore, you know, are some of the best talents in the secondary and are worth the top five pick. We saw Jaguars take Jalen Ramsey last year. Uh, Eli Apple went heavy. Having somebody in that secondary, yeah, having somebody in that secondary can be the difference. And I think, you know, with Greg, I think, you know, and it, it, this was, and here's the other thing with it. So it also answers the problem that I said that I was worried about, about like Hugh Jackson not getting the help if the Browns go heavy on defense. This gives both the offense something and the defense something, and you're addressing, uh, you're making that team better in the first round. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, and that's the, the ultimate thing. I mean, what are you doing to, to get better? And uh, I'm, I'm fine with it. So, uh, you know, just take guys that are difference makers. You've you got to find the difference makers early in the draft in rounds one through three. And however you got to do that, uh, you go and do that. And that's the thing that the Browns can't skip over. They, they did it last year with trading that pick down, whether it was Wentz, Bosa, uh, Elliot, you think about, you know, even in the later rounds, I started going back, like I brought up Sterling Shepard, you know, like that guy was in the fifth round, you know, uh, you talk about Dak Prescott. So they've got to, you know, definitely get started. So you talked about Elf line, that definitely the center position will be a different, and they got to, they got to make a decision. This is the other thing nobody really wants to talk about. Um, everybody knows it. And I think we all, they've got to make a decision, either get Cameron Irving off this roster or make sure they got to give him a vote of confidence to say this guy's moving forward, but they got to do something about that because that situation is out there hanging his overhead. You know, I think he might be a viable option now as either the right tackle or a guy that you could rotate through this line. If you could bring him in as a backup that could fill any one of your five spots, really, I mean, maybe other than left tackle, um, why can't he be that guy? I know the draft pick doesn't mean you should be that guy, but uh, I think we've already moved past that with Ray Farmer. Yeah, I think you got to try to trade that guy and get whatever you can get just because I think a change in scenery helps him. I think he's so beaten down in this system. And plus, I'm worried about his injury history. I, I mean, getting a punctured lung and, you know, I mean, like, so. Um, but, yeah, if he was a backup guy to help us. Justin Gilbert situation. Yeah. Justin Gilbert situation. Absolutely, absolutely. Also, too, there's a lot of good guards out there in the draft, too, that the Browns might need to look at. So um, we know the Browns got a lot they got to address, but I agree with your assessment, too. They've got to – this can't – you know, we know. It's crucial, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, there's like Buda Baker. Like, you know, it's still the same positions. You know, no matter what the personnel – the good thing is there's so much talent in the draft. The bad thing is we know the Browns' track record. So, you know what I mean? Like – uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. It's it's a situation where the track record is there, but then it, you, you can still tell, justify yourself and tell yourself in your mind that, you know, one of these times we've got to get it right. <laughs> you know, it's such a league of parody, and it's 
like designed so you can bounce back from a bad year. And somehow since 1999, we haven't found a way to do it. Uh, what one ten year, ten win season, and it wasn't good enough to make the playoffs. So there you go. I will say this too. There's one other part to this uh, whole thing with me because um, it doesn't address the quarterback position in that first round. But uh, we still got those picks in 2018. We got the second round pick coming from the Eagles. And another thing out there, we haven't, we won't know till the end of the season after the Super Bowl what the compensatory picks will be for the Browns as well from some of these trades they've made. But um, the kid from USC looks like the greatest second coming of quarterback that I've ever seen is Darnold. So that guy's out there in 2018 as well. But we don't want to be, you know, we're excited about the Browns offseason this year, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, <laughs> we don't want to get about too ahead of us, you know, said, looking at the 2018 draft. Is that what I said about Watson last year? That is true. That is true. Um, uh, but that's the podcast. Hey, at least we're excited and we got a little bit of um, levity and we have enthusiasm about this Browns offseason. And that's something that, you know, maybe we haven't had um, because we have enthusiasm and levity about this situation because you know what? The Browns didn't fire a coach for the first time in the last three consecutive offseasons. So we have that. Jake, give us the plugs. Well, that's what we always have energy about the Cleveland Browns. We're getting to our Super Bowl. We're getting closer. <laughs> the only time for optimism is from now till May. Uh, anyway, sorry, I'll get on with it. No, um, no, no. Always excited to talk draft. Always excited to talk draft. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be excited to talk week 14 in the season. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, and post-draft. <laughs> that's what we're excited about post-draft. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. Scoreonair.com. Check out with an Ohio Bias live uh, every Monday, three to five, and Thursday, two, four to six. Um, so, so a couple of new show times. Take note: we moved the Tuesday show to Monday. Uh, so now we got the reaction right off the weekend. So Monday, three to five, and then Thursday, same time, four to six. I'm on the Thursday show. Uh, my co-host Aaron Campbell uh, holds down both shows. So uh, give her a listen. She's great. And then uh, also keep an uh, eye out for the EB Sports Network here in 2017. Go to com. Uh, check out uh, all the great shows, Marty Bannister's Overtime. Uh, I do a show with Zach Bourne and Nick Miller called Between the Nuts. Uh, they'll be coming back here in 2017. Uh, the great George Laner is with the uh, organization as well. Um, so a lot of stuff, uh, real good stuff going on with EB Sports Network. Uh, it's going to be a big, big 2017 for us. So com and scoreonair.com. Check them out. All right, and we'll close the show with uh, the thing that we started the show with, the Greg Williams and the Greg, the Greg Williams press conference. Uh, the one thing to me, Jake, that I thought was uh, the most um, – I mean, it was a heartwarming moment, actually, to me. Um, as Greg <laughs> Williams said, the real reason he wanted to come here, he saw Hugh Jackson stand up there after every press conference after going 0-15, 0-14, and how he was able to handle that. Um, and that was one of the reasons that he wanted to come and work with him, somebody he had never worked with before. I thought that was something that was a real moment and something tangible that we all can grab onto, not just the same old stuff we hear about the dog pound and dropping LeBron James, signed an autographed jersey. Yeah, and I thought a real moment was when he asked, are you Anthony? And <laughs> Tony Grossi and shut down his question about trying to dredge up old stuff that's been talked about before. 
and then he told him to go find an old quote and use that. <laughs> that was my favorite moment of the Greg Williams podcast or uh, press conference. Everybody hates Tony Grossi. All right, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we'll be back with more Browse podcast. Uh, and, of course, we'll be talking about our reactions from the Senior Bowl next time we talk to you here at With an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fans with DN Jake. As always, go Browns. Dog pound, we bark forever. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Medium bark. Yeah, that was a good one. It wasn't like yeah, the medium, bad barks of week, yeah. week 15 and week 16. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, somebody's beating that dog like well, the one in the movie. You know what I mean? Right. Pushing him in the wall. Exhausted. <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> Completely exhausted. <laughs> All right. It's good stuff, though. It's good stuff. Yeah, it was. All right, All man. Right, until yeah. the next one. Talk to you soon. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.